Hi Heidi, how's it going? Hi Dan, it's great, thank you, good to see you. Yeah, likewise. Um, we've talked about the format a little bit, so um, it's always really repetitive for me. But if you want to rewind and go back to as far back as you want, um, I think I said before, some people have gone right back to like early childhood, so um, you don't have to go that far, it's up to you. But do that and then I can just chip in along the way if you like. Okay, I think, um, I guess I should introduce myself for people that, that don't know me. So I'm Heidi Bannister, founder and managing director of Arthur Edwards. Um, we're a specialist recruitment company. We work just in the cosmetics industry, helping people find great jobs and helping companies build their teams. Um, I think it's tricky when you, when you go back because, you know, I'm, I'm getting on a bit now. I'm 53, it's scary. But um, my passion for cosmetics really came from a very young age and my mum was an Avon lady which I don't know Avon is still an amazing brand but back then it was a really cool thing to do and as, as a young girl all these amazing packages used to come and we'd open up the boxes and they were all this super product so I just loved product right from the very beginning my mum was quite glam um, she wouldn't even put the bins out without her makeup on which is not me <laughs> at all I'm a complete slob um, but I, the products were great yeah <laughs> well you look very grim today actually you've obviously had an important meeting earlier this is an important podcast that's what it is <laughs> isn't it yeah well you've got to make an effort some of the time yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then but what no, so, yeah sorry i interrupted you when you were like mid-flow i won't do that again but yeah, yeah. no so avon with my mum you know that was the early days and i'd help her pack the orders and play with the products and uh, you know some of the amazing makeup looks on a, on a young child must have been quite quite weird not that they're much better these days and <laughs> I just got into the industry and I love science at school and looking back I probably should have gone to uni and done science but it wasn't what I wanted to do at the time and I loved all of the sciences and my teachers wanted me to do the O-levels with them but in those days and, and still now I think you have to have a real mix of um, courses and, and I was good at English and, and maths and other things. So I wasn't allowed to do more than two sciences and had to choose. Chose chemistry and physics, loved them. But uni wasn't calling me. Uni felt really dull and boring to me at that stage. Oh, okay. And I lived in quite a small village. And I'd been at junior school and senior school with a lot of the same people. And although I was quite bright and, and probably should have done more, I also love the practical side and I'd, I'd worked from a very young age in a salon. Um, I had loads of, of summer jobs. Pe people don't do so much kids nowadays. It's a bit more difficult with legal stuff and, and working and not paying kids very much. But I, I worked in a, a deli, I worked in a restaurant, I worked in a garden centre even and, and then the salon. And, and I just loved being in the salon. I always used to mix up all the perm lotions and the um, the colours and blending everything and, and that I enjoyed but also the customer care side of being in a salon and, and working with people and talking to people yeah um, so I just went and, and did a hair and beauty course that's what I, I wanted to do went to the London College of Fashion and studied hairdressing which included cosmetic science so did um, you relocate to do that Heidi no I've always I've always lived around the sort of west of London so at that time I was kind of at the end of the tube line so I'd get up very early and, and get on the tube and, and head off into Oxford Circus. Um, but yeah, it, it was a great course. You know, you, you learn 
a lot and, and mixing with lots of different people as well is, is a great grounding. Yeah. And then um, what did you do following that then with the, with the course? So you didn't want so, to do university, but you thought that was calling you though? Um, yeah, I, I think my um, boss in the salon where I worked, it was a relatively small salon, but my boss was a, a great guy and a good early mentor to me. And that was the time when Redkin first came over to the UK. Okay. And he used to teach us a lot about the products and we'd spend time with the reps learning about the ingredients. But he'd also get, even you know me as a lowly Saturday girl at 14, he'd get me to go to Salon International and the L'Oreal Colour Trophy. And I still remember now watching this amazing Redkin show and the energy as all the models came down. I think Bonnie Tyler was playing in the background. I need a, her a hero, and, and all these men were strutting about. And I'm like, yeah, this is, this is me. I, I can work in this industry, and, yeah. and that was from a very early age. So I've, I've always been obsessed with cosmetics, um, and the, the course at London College of Fashion, I won Student of the Year, and I was quite bright. I was very focused, hard working. So you know, I was a high achiever right from those days. Student of the Year, that's pretty. Pretty epic. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, I didn't really know much about it and, and kind of missed, and people kept saying to me, oh, you need to be in this ceremony. It's an end of year ceremony. I'm like, oh, I'm you know, having a cup of coffee with my friends. And, and they're like, no, you need to be in there. And then all of a sudden my name was called out and I'm like, I didn't really know what it was about. But yeah, it's a good thing to have on your CV. So, and what prompted that then? So were you doing like extra things at the college? Um, yeah, you know, I was a, a smart ass. I was always helpful. I was always form rep. I was always, um, I was always comfortable talking to anyone. So I was interacting with all the lecturers a lot. Always went the extra mile. Went to all the shows, entered competitions, modelled competitions, did all sorts of things. So yeah, there was a lot of extra. Plus, um, you know, just being bright and getting good grades all the way through school. So yeah, yeah. nice. Yeah, um, uh, and then I went to Champions because I always wanted to do the hair and beauty. Um, bit of cosmetic science, the wig making, manicure, but I, I love the massage and all the facials and the, the biology. Having not taken biology as an O-level, I loved all the, the skin and the body and the muscles. Yeah. Um, I was doing a bit of fitness and martial arts at that time as well and, you know, enjoyed learning all about origins and insertions of muscles. And that was all cool. Um, and yeah, Champions was a great place to be. Spent a year living on the health farm and going to the college. Um, and that was that was really cool. We used to swim every morning in the pool with all the guests. And what? Yeah. So you were actually living there? Yeah, yeah. Not not in the health farm, but very close to the health farm. But we had access to all the facilities. So. Yeah. Well, I have literally been in the industry, haven't you? From yeah, yeah. Dot. That's incredible. Yeah. And then, so how long were you at Champneys? Champneys is a year's course, and and that's okay. just the Desco exam, which was um, it's a, it's a good course there's lots of theory as well as practical size student of the year there and um, no my best mate got it actually which i was um i still rib her for and um yeah that was a bit frustrating but yeah other awards and i, I did yeah. okay um so yeah i worked as a, a therapist for a while um which was fun i enjoyed it it was really cool and i think one thing that I remember from those college days, I met Geraldine Howard. Did you, did you ever meet her, the lady that founded Aromatherapy? Aromatherapy, no, I never got the, yeah. uh, I was never able to meet um, her, There was her and, and Sue Peachy and they came and gave us this extra um, course on aromatherapy. And, and I just absolutely fell in love with aromatherapy. I love all the essential oils and what they can do for you. And I took that with me everywhere I worked and used to do a lot of 
normal treatments, but a lot of aromatherapy as well. And I would always blend the oils and then let the customer take what I blended for them away and kind of got into the sales side there as well. Okay. Um, oh, so and, and that, when you started into the sales side of stuff? Well, no. I mean, I started when I was like 13 in the deli and, and the salon. Yeah. I was always selling product and um, selling Christmas trees in the garden centre in freezing cold December days. So yeah. I've always kind of sold. Okay. And do you do anything with your aromatherapy passion now? Um, yeah, I've, I've got a cupboard full of um, oils. My, my husband says I'm a bit of a witch still. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm always blending oils and massage oils and bath oils and things. So yeah, still love it. Yeah, everyone that I know that's gone into that, they never tend to let it go, do they? No, no it's interesting. So then, and then, then what happened? So um, I relocated and needed to get a new job and started looking around, going for interviews. And I was offered a job with Dior. Um, always loved Dior products and to be offered a job with them was really quite exciting. So I was very tempted. But then one of the How agencies- How were you looking for jobs at that point? Just because just I was relocating. So the job that I had was, had to move. Um, and how were you looking for jobs? Because it's a little bit well, how? different, mm. isn't it? Yeah, I was going to recruitment agencies, high street agencies, oh, okay. and applying for things from the, um, you know, the standard newspaper. There was no computers, you forget, you know, you, you yeah. had to get newspapers and the grocer magazine. I was yeah. trying to get things. And I think I quite fancied myself as a area salesperson, but I was still too young and didn't have any experience. So all the jobs okay. I was trying to get, I couldn't get and the recruitment guys just said to me have you ever thought about doing recruitment and I'm like no and they're like oh you know why not and I'm like because I love beauty and, and cosmetics get me a job in beauty and cosmetics and I like, know come and work for us you'd be great um so yeah but I think I'd worked in restaurants in the evenings a salon at the weekends and the idea of a sort of nine to five better paid job rather than going into store and working with Dior although that was really hard to turn down at the time. Um, you know, the, the money and the hours grabbed me, I guess. Um, I, um, I didn't know then that recruiters worked 24-7, so. Yeah. When you um, turned down the job of Dior then to do that, were you thinking at that point you'd do that for a very short space of time and then get back into beauty? Or had you not thought that? Um, do you know, I don't think I thought about it at the time. I was relocating. I needed a job. I bought a house, had a mortgage to pay. Um, and I just looked at the zeros on on the offer letter and, and just went for it. Um, but I, I was absolutely rubbish. Um, I, I got some good training and met some nice people and learned a bit more about sales and sales process. But honestly, I was just really terrible. Um, I worked in Victoria and we used to get a lot of people um, coming up the stairs and, and chatting to us and, and desperately looking for a job. Literally, they'd arrived off the... Um, buses, you know, the coach station at Victoria yeah. Station. Oh, and, you know, they, they didn't have many skills, but we were working in low-end office jobs and we could place them if they had a good personality. But I just, I, I didn't get any anything from it. Yeah. Um, and, and recruitment, high street recruitment particularly, is it's like the kids' game, the square pegs and the round holes, and you just have a big hammer and you smash, smash, smash until it goes in with all the splinters coming off. And it just wasn't me, you know, there was no, no customer service, no care, no quality. It was just, it was just a joke. And, and recruitment in many ways still is quite like that. It's push, 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 sell, yeah. sell, sell. And oh, I was rubbish. 
I'm, I'm too honest as well. I'm just too honest for that type of world. <laughs> and yeah, I miss cosmetics as well. I, re I really did. Yeah. But no one would give me the job. You know, I still wanted that area sales job. I wanted the car, the bag. Um, no one would give me that job. So how long were you doing the recruitment at that point and not enjoying it? about a year year and a half or something paid the oh. paid the mortgage but, yeah um, that's a long time to keep persisting though isn't it when you're really not happy about what you're doing yeah um i, I think you've got to, you've got to work hard at something you, you know you've got to try it and see yeah. and, and i was with a good bunch of people it was fun you know i was working in london putting my suit on and it was good okay yeah people people's massive so what did you yeah. do then were you looking for another job while you were doing that job yeah, I was applying for everything in the grocer, uh, talking to recruiters, going for interviews occasionally, but not often. Um, I was just getting turned down straight away. Um, and I thought, well, I'll do it myself. You know, I was like 21, 22, and I just thought, well, I'll, I'll just build a business. Um, and yeah, that's what I did. Put some products together, started selling them, um, convinced all my friends and family, had a few parties at home and uh, sold bits and pieces back to the aromatherapy and the different oils went to some craft fairs and um, people would come up and i'd massage oil into their hand and, and sell to them um, and then started sending letters out to the stores got into places like selfridges and harrods and things like that and just tried different things went to some trade fairs have you ever done the nec the spring fair yeah no i have done um, um met some agents and, and met some really great guys that worked as commission agents they started selling and opened up more doors um i had little... no idea about obviously we've known each other for a few yeah. years now but i had no yeah. idea that you've done all this this is why i yeah. love doing this yeah what did you have a was it a specific brand name that you created the, um <laughs> the company was called um body mode it was all around um you know the, the aromatherapy side and and all of that and body and soul was the name that i first thought of I thought it was a bit too holistic and then we called it body mode it seemed to fit well on the packaging yeah um, and we had a little spritz bottle that you'd um squirt like like the evian spray um very early one of those called facial mist and someone picked that up and one of the agents took it into garages so we were, we were selling all over the place um and hey, it was fun it, it were you was doing really your cool. own branding and things like that or did you um it was basically just me doing everything so yeah you know all the npd all the marketing all the sales yeah. then with the agents doing the selling um yeah That's it was really amazing cool. and then like how how did you source things like packaging and things i take it for granted with everything being so easy now you just go yeah, on yeah I, you know, I, I don't know where you meet these people i, I don't know you know i'm how on earth did I find people like M&H Plastics? You know, they're, they're all friends of mine now and I've known them for yeah. time. How I found them in the first place, I, I don't know, maybe it was from exhibitions. Exhibitions were always been a big part of my life. So maybe I went to some packaging shows and, and found people there. Um, or, you know, good old fashioned yellow pages, you forget. Yeah, you, know, you do forget, you don't you? Yellow pages and that's how you found people. Um, but yeah, you know what it's like, brochures and samples and stuff everywhere. So, yeah, that's when everyone, because everything was listed alphabetically, wasn't it? That's why everyone would have like yeah, eight, one, two, three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> solutions, nothing yeah. first on the list. So, did yeah. you, um, when you were doing the recruitment bit that you didn't like, and then you you created body mode, were you, yeah. was there an overlap until you you were no. At point? No, you just thought, no, I'm going to quit and just do this. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I've I've always 
done that. I've always been a bit all in head first. Yeah, sort the consequences. Mm. That's amazing. So what happened with it then? So you're getting all these listings and things so, like that? Yeah, things started developing. Um, I, I think that the big noise came from the trade fairs. So where I've done craft fairs, you sell a few bottles here and there and you might meet the odd person that actually runs a store rather than they're buying for themselves. And you don't know until you get those big orders what difference it makes to your cost of goods and everything that you're involved with. So from the trade fairs, we suddenly met early people that were doing the, um, like the beauty boxes nowadays. And I was racking my brains trying to remember the name of the two companies. I think one was called Kingfisher. And I met a buyer from there and she started buying all of our um, massage oils. So the orders for her would be 15 or 20,000 in, in one hit. It's like, okay, that's great. But, you know, I'm pouring a jug into a bottle, selling to a few people. So um, moved from home to a small unit in Uxbridge. And my dad, he had a, a friend who was a plumber. He, he made a little filling machine. And we started filling all these bottles and getting these orders out. Um, and then we met an um, American distributor. So the orders got bigger and bigger. Um, so we got a bigger unit and basically just set up a contract manufacturing unit. That's amazing. Um, yeah, it is. But, you know, I, I knew nothing really. You know, we bought in a few people. We had a chemist working for us who um, helped a bit. But really, when I look around places now, I'm like, oh, my God, what were we putting in these products? It, it really wasn't that great. So how do you know where to begin, though, with setting all that stuff up? Because it's quite daunting, isn't it? Did you have people you could ask questions of or you were just blindly? Well, you know, and, and even today, you look at your technical team, they must rely a lot on their raw material suppliers. You talk nicely to a raw material supplier, they'll give you a formulation and they'll help you put a range together. So it's just, it's always been about networking and relationships and asking people. Um, you know, if you're nice to people, treat they treat you the same and, and you learn stuff, keep an open mind and you keep learning. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, yeah. still incredible. So then mm. how, how big did the actual factory, your little contract manufacturer get? Uh, we ended up with a 20,000 square foot unit and I don't know, 30 or 40 staff. And That's significant. Huge, huge overheads. All we were filling hospitality, we were filling all those tiny little um, guest bottles of, of shampoo and bath gel for people like the Savoy. We were doing all our own branded body mode stuff. Um, we did some big contracts. I think I always knew of original editions and I, I approached them with an aromatherapy range and we launched a, a big pedicure aromatherapy range to cleanse the feet and massage the feet. And that was one of their best sellers back in those days. So that was good volume. We picked up a contract with a company that did kids products. Um, the, the factory was full of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that they're still around, I think. Um, so we had all sorts of things going on and a few high-end skincare, um, lots of things, but we, we grew too fast. Um, three Eyes, we got some investment from Three Eyes and that's how we sort of built the factory. But huge overheads and, you know, interest rates at that time, you, you might not remember, you have been too young, but interest rates were at like 14, 15%. Wow, okay. So Very different to now then. Yeah, it just was crazy and, and we were paying out so much in interest um, and we just got to the point where I think someone had let us down with a payment and cash flow was just in a mess um, and we folded and, and it was really tough, you know, shut the site down, had to let everyone go, um, HMRC got their money but not many other 
people did. So it was a tough uh, time. And had, were you employing someone to do the finance side or were you doing all the finance piece as well? Yeah, not really. And I think this is the thing, when you're building a business, everyone you take on is money that you can't spend in other areas. And it's that fine line and balance yeah. of how you build a team. So you end up not paying to do a job that you don't do very well and, and you muck it up. Um, and it, it's tough, you know, you borrow to bring better people in, but then your overheads are, are tight and your cash flow is tough. So it's complicated. I think that cash flow piece is the one bit, the brands that I've worked with in the past, the ones that, the ones that are really successful, the ones that nailed it really early yeah. and they understood it. But yeah. you could be the most profitable company in the world, but if you're not on your cash flow, yeah, it's, it, you can't pay anyone, can you? And that's when no. you're like a house of cards because if you can't yeah. pay your suppliers, yeah, they won't supply you. Then you can't service your customers, yeah. so the customers leave. And then if yeah. you lose a customer, you're not going to get any cash. And then you, no. you need as many people, so you're making redundancies. It's just no. really quickly just tumbles, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So that was. What did you do then? Because that must have been really frustrating. Well, and, and, and yeah it, it's um it's really tough you know any anyone that tells you it's, it's all a bed of roses is um either incredibly lucky or they've got cash behind them or, or they're just blatantly yeah. lying um you learn you learn so much from your mistakes you, you don't learn from the wins you learn from the things that fall apart yeah and you, it makes you more humble um, you've got to have really strong relationships to get through that with your suppliers and people that you've let down. And I think, again, it's, it's um, crisis management. So you need cash coming in. So you think, right, I've got to get a job. I've got to get a job that can be flexible around going for interviews. Um, trying to get the right job within five minutes is always tough. Yeah. So I, I worked in uh, Mickey D's, McDonald's. That was fun. Um, I worked in a nightclub in the evening in a bar and I'd also done because my beauty background and health and fitness, I was running exercise sessions and earning money doing that. So wow. there was three jobs going on while I was trying to get a proper job. And, um, was that hard to balance? Cause you know, you're, you'd be at the point where you're trying to do all these jobs to make sure that you've got the money coming in, but then you need yeah. to find the free time to actually find a job that you like. Was that hard or the jobs you well, took? I, I think that's why I, I went for these sort of casual, flexible hour jobs. Yeah, because okay. I knew that if I just took an office job, um, I did some temping as well. But, you know, you're, you're stuck in the office. You can't then go and meet people. So I was putting my little McDonald's uniform on and then running in a couple of days and then taking the day off to go for an interview, putting the suit back on and, yeah. my off and you know, trotting off to meet people. Weren't you tempted to literally just start up another brand again because you did it so successfully the first time and just um, the factory? I, I don't know. You know, success is a, a tough thing to talk about. It was really hard work, um, really, really, really tough. And you work 24-7. You, you don't sleep. You don't pay yourself. You know, it's, it's yeah. hard. Yes, we had some success. We had distribution. We had great clients. But... It had all gone wrong and I think, you know, maybe the realisation that I was a bit young and stupid and, and didn't know anything had come in and I, I'd, I'd met people, I wanted to work for a decent company and I knew I needed to learn. So I think that was important. Okay. And one thing actually, um, Mickey D's, I'm, I'm not a fan of, of junk food, I never don't really eat the stuff, yeah. but McDonald's is an incredible business and they 
are all about process, procedures, consistency, branding. I used to get in so much trouble asking customers. I worked in Windsor with all the um, foreign tourists. It was fun. It was busy. And they'd come up and they'd say, I want a Coke. And I'm like, okay, here's a Coke. And they're like, it's not Coke, it's McDonald's Cola. Um, and it was all about the branding and um, everything was written down. And systems, if you're not someone that's into stuff like that, you kind of push against it and rebel against it but it's um it's a tough one because they work and, and it makes it consistent for everyone and everyone follows them and that's why anywhere in the world you walk into a mcdonald's it's the same you know what you're going to get and how successful have they well, been the franchise is so successful yeah. isn't it? they nail it they're also really yeah. good developing staff aren't they I was, did you yeah. were you looking well once you were sorry i was two things one was the um when you were just saying if you're not process driven you're pushing against are you quite process orientated or were you the opposite so you were pushing against it okay yeah yeah, yeah no and and you know you get called into a meeting and, and they'd sit you down and they're like hi oh, you're doing really well um you've done this that and the other and you're great with customers we're going to give you a a gold star and put it in your badge and yeah. i'm like you know whatever and you know it just <laughs> didn't didn't get me and and they wanted me to to stay with them and do the management system and honestly anyone who's done that is great great stuff but it just wasn't for me I, I wanted to get back into beauty yeah okay so then and what was the next step then after the other three jobs so um yeah that thankfully wasn't for long <laughs> <laughs> long long enough so we could have you got any photos of you of you working there still or you not? know for years i had my uniform and um one of my neighbors always used to borrow it whenever they had a barbecue <laughs> oh really i don't you know i don't think we have I, I i was looking through some old photos the other day i don't think and God knows where the uniform's gone now. I don't yeah. know. But yeah. Your old neighbor. <laughs> Someone somewhere probably has, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, from there I joined um, a nice, good business. Um, Crichton's, you, you know, they've, they've changed a bit over the years. In those days, they were down in Storrington. And um, I'd met, in actual fact, the sales director at a show a couple of times when I was doing body mode. And when I heard through the recruiter that that's where the interview was, I thought, yeah, I'm going to get this one. Perfect. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that, that was great. He was a good boss. I, I joined him in a, a, an old role that he kind of created around PR and brands. They'd worked with the external PR agency. They wanted to bring it in. So I was doing the PR for the manufacturing, the contract manufacturing and, and inviting journalists down and walking them around the site, which was great because I had to learn all about the business you know from the, the labs through to the supply chain and manufacturing dealing with all the different areas and then i was brand manager for the crichton's brands all the natural soaps and all the products and did some mpd launched new products um because crichton's are a manufacturer there. aren't they just because a lot of people know but um so yeah. when, when you went there were you thinking wow this was like my operation but just on scale <laughs> um yeah and surprisingly as as you know things still go wrong and there's still chaos yeah. in the warehouse and again it was before computers and um barcoding and automation but you know the filling lines were great the staff were great um crisis had a queen's award for export they, they were a good business that they basically helped launch the body shop so yeah. um at that time that the site used to smell of what was rum and raisin lip gloss and I think Anita Roddick was in, in that location. She'd met the, the guys down there and they helped manufacture for her in those early days. So they had a, a good solid contract manufacturing side and they'd launched different brands. We worked with agents 
and I had a team of agents selling into stores and I'd go with them. Um, again, it was back to having the car and the, carrying the bag, knocking on doors and supporting them. Um, but yeah, that was a good role. I actually sort of learned more about the industry and realised some of the mistakes that I'd been making before. Um, learned a bit more about regulations, which are changing constantly, but yeah. I didn't know anything about that and preservation really before. So it was, it was really good learning. And, and again, more networking, going to the shows, um, lots of late nights in the bars in Bologna at Cosmoprof and yeah. Spring Fair. Um, so that was a, a really, really good, good move. I enjoyed my time there. How long were you there? Oh, in a few years. Um, things were tough. They, they'd upset a customer. They had to make some changes. And I thought, yeah, I might get cold here. So I started looking around. Um, I was living in, a, in an area that I could get to a few different manufacturers. So I was offered a role at Potter and Moore. Okay. Um, probably should have accepted that at that time, but I was also offered a role with Heathcote. And Heathcote was quite local. And I knew some people that had been at Crichton's that had moved there. So that, that seemed the best option for me. So and what was Heathcote? Well, Heathcote, Heathcote and Ivory, um, nowadays people know them through the, um, the, 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 the modern brands, but in those days they were doing just really weird little potpourri things. We had little tiny crisp packets that had potpourri in that we sold to Asda and places like that, and then bigger own label branded potpourri for people like Body Shop was one of my big accounts. Um, and these hideous little ballet shoes you used to see, I don't know if they're still around, people hanging them in their cars and putting them in their wardrobes, hangers and ballet shoes and little clown heads with potpourri and smelly stuff inside. Pretty ghastly product. I never really gelled <laughs> with the product. They were not, not great products. Um, but again, I learned a lot there about big account management and working with a, a retailer and developing a brand alongside a buyer, which was really cool. Yeah, and they're still going now, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they're still around. They, they have the Kafkaesen license. I don't know what's happening with that these days, but they, they have their own branded products as well. Um, yeah, yeah they're, they're still going strong. That's cool. And then, so, what made you go there rather than Potter and Moore? What was the decision? It was a better location, and, and I knew people that, that worked there. Um, and, and, you know, they kept ringing me up, and they're like, come on, come on, come here, don't make the wrong decision. But, um, yeah, who knows? It, there's, there's always choices to make, aren't there? Um, yeah, well, it normally is, isn't there? And you, yeah. You never know, even if you think it was the wrong one, you don't know what the other one would have delivered anyway, do you? Yeah, yeah. Like that, so. Who knows? Who knows? So, so, and then how long were you at Heathcote? I was there um, not not that long. It was um, it was an odd in, environment at the time. People used to come and go quite a lot, and uh, you know I was there probably about a year or so, and I, I was st still thinking about other things. Um, I, I'd had a, a client going back to the early beauty box products that I'd done years ago, and I contacted someone and put a range together for him. Um, when I pitched it to the guys internally. They, they didn't want to do it. And I looked at it and looked at the margins and thought, you know what, this is, this is a nice deal. Um, and I spoke to him and I said, you know what, I can't, I can't do it for you. I'm really sorry that, that it's been turned down. And he's like, that's a shame. And I said, yeah, it is. But I said, you know what, I, I want to do it. And he said, what do you need? And, and it was as simple as that. So he paid up front for some 
um, someone stop. He actually gave me an old fax machine. Remember the old faxes reading orders yeah. used to come in. Yeah. He gave me this fax machine. Um, I drove up to meet him, and he gave me the stuff. Wrote me a check, um, and that was it. I started again. So yeah. That's mad. Um, were you, yeah. Was there any doubt in your mind at that point? Were you like, no, I definitely want to do this. It seems to no, work. I think um, I was a bit older. I'd learned some more. Um, and I've always been quite, you know, ballsy. And I've always been risk everything, just jump in feet first and just see what happens. And then the fact that I had this order on the table with, you know, I knew what the profit was going to be. Um, yeah, it was a no brainer. So, yeah, get started again. So, That's amazing. That was, um, at the time, I had this cute little dog um, that we always used to call Harvey Moon. So the business was called after the dog, Harvey Moon. Um, That's cool. Harvey Moon. Yeah. But then you weren't manufacturing, though. You were just liaising with manufacturers at that point, especially after your Crichton's experience and stuff like that. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's, it's tough. And, and you know this today, that if, if you're launching something and your, your cash flow is, is not so huge and, and you're trying to keep the cost down it's very hard to get a buy-in from a manufacturer and this is why lots of people manufacture themselves because they, the um people like you are saying well no we need this minimum order quantity we need this minimum order quantity that there's always a huge gap for people that just want a few hundred or a few thousand fills but i think i'd learned enough at that stage that i knew um you know you need a chemist, you need someone specialising in regulations, you need someone yeah. doing supply chain. And to do it all on yourself is, is crazy. So you have to find a manufacturer that you can work with and, and maybe different ranges at different manufacturers, depending on their speciality or the numbers yeah. involved. Um, and yeah, I'd been down that route. I'd had huge overheads, staff, uh, warehousing. You know, before you open the door, it's costing you thousands of pounds. Yeah. And, if something goes wrong, you just can't continue. So it's no, I decided good, I was not going to do it. Mm. A lot of people don't. It, there's been numerous brands over the past few years that I've been working with, and they're like, "Well, I'm just going to do this myself. This just seems crazy. Like, yeah. how hard can it be to just get a production line and just go from there?" Yeah. No, actually, so then you even, how much is a production line? So I've often shared that. It's like, but you need more than a production line. Then you're going to need engineers yeah. service the production line then you're going to need yeah. some people to to palletize it wrap it yeah. transport people to sort logistics and then yeah. i haven't even been talking to them like you just said about regulatory and all this sort yeah. of stuff goes with it and yeah. that's why contract manufacturers exist isn't right. it and you look at the number of products that are out there you know you go around um street fairs or craft fairs or something and you look at these products and you're like you can't say that you can't have that that that's not right you can't uh, but people don't know you know that the industry is really well regulated for the right people it's run well it's organized well everything is very safe yeah when i look back at what i was doing and putting things in bottles and you know crazy absolutely <laughs> and, and you still see it today yeah, yeah. people don't know they don't they don't know they just don't know what they need to do and some of these products i mean we used to have this lovely skincare range that uh, was sold in a salon that did arrange for this group of salons and the bacteria and the mold that grew in this because it wasn't preserved properly and and i see products like that today and you know when it sucks in the bottles because it's got the wrong oil or the wrong plastic and you know there's a lot of mistakes being made i think people don't realize when they're buying stuff off the internet they just have no idea how bad that can be yeah the minefield isn't it yeah 
So how long was Harvey Moon going? Oh, years, years and years and years. Um, that, that was a, a great business. It was really successful. Um, again, working back with a, a load of the old people and, and doing well. Um, it, it's, it was fun. You know, we, we were doing work with people like uh, Waitrose. We had a range in Waitrose. Didn't have quite the right manufacturer doing that. We had a few issues. Um, but generally, it was good. I'd learned a lot and, and we were doing fine. Um, I was looking back through my box of um, pictures and things. We had this great kids product called uh, Monster Gunge. And um, the idea was that you got a toy in the, in the pot um, and you opened it up and it was all gunky. You played with it and you got this toy in the bar. Awesome. Um, and then I, I got a writ and a, a letter from one of the big brands because apparently they have the trademark for kids' toiletries on the word monster, which I hadn't even thought about. Um, well, so not more, the monster. More, so yeah, monster. more learning about um, you know the legal side and the trademark side and all of that within the industry. So you wouldn't think that one would be granted, would you, for kids like monster? Okay. No, I couldn't believe be it. Quite a but, popular yeah. word, but yeah, wow. Yeah. So we had to change that. So we changed that to the um, what do you call it? The Gunge, the Gunge factory, and we had Dino Gunge, Jungle Gunge, Astro Gunge, all these different products. Oh, amazing. Um, so were again, you coming up with products yourself, Heidi, or were you just... Yeah, it was still very much just, um, that was much more a small business with me kind of doing everything. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night with an idea and you start scribbling and d doing stuff and working with designers and pulling it together. So I kind of outsourced everything. Yeah. Um, did the concepts and got the design work in and then worked with the manufacturer. So you were still creating, yeah. you were creating your own brands. You weren't working with brand owners and taking their briefs. You were just creating your own brands, but well, um, it, it kind of leads through because if you do something and you exhibit it, then someone sees it and says, "Can you put my name on it?" And you're like, "Oh yeah, okay." So we had loads of products in the states with a, a guy that I'd worked with over there, um, still good friends, and and that that was fun so you, you end up putting a product with their name on again doing work with people like harrods and has fraser waitrose waitrose had waitrose name on it so yeah a lot of own label as well as the branded stuff um, wow mm. i had no idea you've done so much <laughs> i feel really rude now for not asking previously when we've met and then yeah. so then what changed with harvey moon if that was like well, um, I had, had a baby and um, <sighs> I, had, I was always quite organised and, and I planned to have this baby and I'd fitted it in between the spring fair and the autumn fair and <laughs> all of the different super events. Organized. It was all organised. Unbelievable. Um, but then, unfortunately, um, I had a, a miscarriage and, oh. and that upset all of the, the dates. So then when I got re-pregnant, I ended up with um, quite quite a tough time in, in hospital with this uh, my firstborn Sam bless him and all of a sudden it was NEC again and I had this five-day-old baby and I was up at the NEC thinking oh I've got the American distributor the Australian distributor and I've got to talk to Harrods and you know I first time mum I didn't realize how much hard work it would be and I just yeah. thought this is just never gonna work and I can't travel can't be changing nappies and breastfeeding the baby on a, on a trade fair and I didn't even know you weren't allowed to have kids you know when you're setting up a exhibition hall so I got in trouble for that as well um, and I thought it's not going to work I need a an in, internal sales role where I can sit in an office and do nine to five yeah and I thought do you know what even though 
I, I was rubbish at it and I didn't enjoy it. Now I was a bit older, I knew a bit more about selling and it, it wasn't so much about the job, it was about who I was and being a mum and yeah. I just needed a, a job that would fit in around the nursery hours. Um, never thought about being a full-time mum, I always wanted to work, but yeah, sure. was something had to give. Um, and that's when you set it up, is it? Well, no, that's when I, um, I worked for some other people and joined a company that was a specialist sales recruitment agency. And okay. the guys that run that were, were great fun and they cared about service. They cared about quality. It wasn't about square pegs, round holes. It was about doing it right, getting to know the businesses and, and working with good candidates. Yeah. And I think I, I learned what recruitment should be and, and can be. And that's everything that you wanted from your original one, but they just didn't do that sort of thing at all. Yeah, I, I don't know that I realised at that time. I just realised I wasn't that good at it and didn't yeah. enjoy it. But the, the role that I had um, at company out in Henley was, was great. And I enjoyed it. Made, again, made some good friends, had a lot of laughs. And I got pregnant again very quickly, had my, my second son, Joe, who you know. Um, and yeah, it was good timing and good fun that the guys used to race little um, Formula Fords. We used to go along to all the race days. And yeah, it was a, it was a good time in my life then. It was, it was interesting and, and pleasant. Um, but then I got headhunted a few years later after I'd had Joe and went to a company that specialised in FMCG retain search, which okay. was another good learning. And they had lots of people that specialised in, in different areas around food and drink and things. And they'd seen my CV, saw the beauty background and what I was doing and said, well, why don't you come and set up a, a luxury division within pharma and cosmetics and luxury goods? Um, offered me silly money and um, car allowance. So I went out and bought myself a, a big shiny car and um, went and joined these guys. And literally in between the offer and me joining was when 9-11 happened. Right, okay. Um, and, and that was a, a scary time back in 2001. And, you know, I think what people are going through now with this coronavirus was kind of what we all felt back then. Um, it was just such a weird time. This is bigger yeah, and more people involved. But, um, you know, you get through these things. But I joined this company. Um, they asked me to, to do my projections and said, this is what we're expecting from you. And it, it didn't really twig to me that they paid me this huge salary and expected so much in return, but also so quickly because of the economic environment and the recession yeah. that was there. Um, yeah, so I got, got kicked out of there because I didn't, didn't deliver. Um, <laughs> but what it had taught me is that actually yeah recruitment is something that i can really love and really enjoy and really help people um i'd contacted a few things and i thought yeah i can do this um neil neil built me a desk took over a little area of the bedroom got a, a computer and a phone and, and off i went and yeah that's 18 years ago now that's insane. And I suppose from working with a couple of people before, you knew what you didn't want your company to be like, and you knew what it was going to be like. Where did the name come from? Oh, um, so um, Arthur is my grandfather. Okay. And Edward is my father-in-law, who actually I never met. And they're the middle names of both of my boys. So, yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. 
a lot of people get a little bit um, wrapped up in their own self, don't they? And we'd call it Heidi's or something. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think it's it's right for some people if, if that's their choice. But for me, it was never really um, all about me, much to some people's amusement. But um, it was always the business and building a business and building a team and working with people. Um, yeah, I never wanted to use my name as the business name. And it's quite synonymous with the industry now, isn't it? I know when you were talking yeah. at the beginning, you were saying that you would go to the grocery magazine and the the only time I'd see the old manufacturer was 17 years ago now. They were, when the grocer would come through the post at the office, the only the, the first place everyone would turn would be the back pages just to have a look at the yeah. roles. And that's yeah. where you, you feature heavily now, don't you? Yeah, that's it. Um, in, in the early days, we had a tiny little, uh, I think it was an eighth of a page ad in uh, SPC magazine. And gradually that's grown. And, and now, you know, there's a lot online as well. But we, we're still doing our, our page because, yeah, I remember those grosser days. And everyone, when SPC arrives, they flip to the back. And there it is, Arthur Edwards and all our jobs. And uh, it, it's lovely to see. And it's not just about the jobs. It's about the branding and people know the name. And it's really important to do that. And you know that SPC is rebranding themselves at the moment. So yeah. They've all had the cosmetics business online, and the magazine is going to be called Cosmetics Business Magazine. Oh, is it? Well. I was getting confused actually. It's the SPC yeah. magazine, not the Gross. Do you advertise in Grocer magazine as well? Or you, you don't. Do you know do that? what? No. When I worked at this big um, FMCG company called Illingworth, and um, I knew that the cost of it. It is so expensive, really, right. really crazy. And I don't really know what's happened with the grocer these days. It's, I guess it's still big in food and drink. Yeah. Because we only work with cosmetics, personal care, fragrance, hair, beauty companies. I don't think it's quite the right place. Um, we, we've dabbled with it a little bit and done the odd one, but um, it's not somewhere that, that we spend money at the moment. It's a really good niche, isn't it, you've got? Do you compete with anyone in the, the, that focus specifically like you do? I think it's unusual. So most recruiters, um, you've got your high street recruiters that do your general office stuff, which is where I spent my first very unhappy year. Yeah. Um, then you have specialist people that work in a, a discipline. So they work in finance, but yeah. they cover all industries, or they work in technology and they cover all industries, or sales or marketing. Um, when I started, there was one guy that I worked with when I got my job at Crichton's and, and he was around, did a bit of FMCG, but did quite a lot of beauty, but there was no one else really. Um, over the years, there's been more competition. You know, we, we're quite, I wouldn't say we're expensive. We offer a quality service and, and we're not the cheapest. Yeah. Um, there's always someone that will do it cheaper. Yeah. But what you miss with that is, is the connections and, um, you know, we, we've got the reputation for being very good, being very honest. I've always had a big mouth, big feet, and always been very honest. Um, and we look after people. Recruitment can be a, a nasty game. You know, some of these people deserve the bad reputations they've got because they don't care about people. I've, I've worked in a few places that have been like that um, and seen people and networking in the industry. I remember going to a, a big conference once and a, a young buck stood up and was talking about his business that had grown from nothing to turning over about five million. And he was really proud of the fact that he'd never worked with the same client twice. It was all about new business. It was hard, it was fast, wow. made lots of money. And he was, you know, that was his business model and good luck to him. He's made a lot of money, but yeah. that 
not me I, you know I love people I like to work with everyone and get to know them and um, if you work with someone and watch their business grow it's so rewarding um, really really lovely and, and our industry as you know is full of great passion great innovation and some incredible fun people and yeah no, it definitely is yeah. yeah no I love the industry now I know um, I think we were just chatting briefly yesterday and you were surprised when I, you'd heard me on another show say that I didn't really or like the industry so much or something like that but it was very much a big user of beauty products yeah <laughs> no, the industry I absolutely love to bits and yeah the best move I ever did getting into this one yeah and how, and how long has that been going now so 18 years we've literally oh, um this birthday. this, this yeah. month yeah we, we're just I'm allowed like, to drink because you know it's uh yeah <laughs> yeah it's an exciting time that <laughs> oh, is incredible and how many people do you employ now at Arthur edwards oh it, it, it varies you know we um i think the first few years i worked on my own um no overheads just me from home so that was great a few people yeah. came and went and, and we started building and at one point we looked at the apprentice scheme. I had some information through about the apprentice scheme. I didn't realise how good it is for a business. You know, very low costs. They do all the training, get support for training. And I thought, actually, this is good. I want someone to support me. And this um, great girl, Charlotte, came on board. She worked with us for about five years and she's moved on to bigger and better things now. But what she taught me is that all the things that I wasn't so good at, she was good at. And whereas I'd be running around last minute doing 101 other things, printing off CVs and running off to do a day's interview, she would arrive, I'd get a little folder with all my CVs and it just kind of calmed everything and, and made the process, again, it's back to those McDonald's processes, made things work better. Um, so that was good. And we built the team up, had recruiters, come and go and finance people support marketing support resource support and research um, and it's it's been great we've built it up to a really solid business um, it's been good and bad years you know um, we, we've had years where we've done double double the turnover and we've worked with some great companies um, you know over 18 years a lot happened so people yeah. have been placed in sort of junior national account roles are now MDs and CEOs of the companies. We're still working with them today. Businesses have been sold and bought and some of the businesses have done really well, others not so well. Some people have sold out to a bigger brand. Yeah. You know, a lot of the brands we worked with literally in day one, we're still working with and it all comes, not all, but most of our work comes from recommendation. That's um, amazing. And you know, yeah. we're a big part of the industry now, so it's, it's nice. Yeah, you definitely. Are. It's not often that recruitment consultants do become like so popular and stuff like that. But you've definitely, yeah, yeah you're ingrained into into the uh, industry, that's for sure. How do people reach you, Heidi? Hey, oh, actually, before I just go on to about how people can get in contact with you, do you? One thing I'm interested in is because you've got people working for you. Does everyone just want to speak to you though? Because you're like, no, not at all. No, no, no. no we, we've had so many different characters over the years, and it's interesting. Get to the point, and I love it when they don't even want to talk to me. But you know, I want to speak to Philly, or I want to speak to this person, and you're yeah. like, I probably can help. And they're like, no, I don't want to speak to you. They, they don't know who I am. I've, I've never been particularly big at bigging myself up as you know managing director what does it mean you know you, you sweep the floors and make the tea like everyone else yeah exactly um, 
but we've we've had some great guys you know one one of the the lows for me we had two two guys um resign on the same day and um it was so sad because they'd both been with me for i suppose about a year and a half one had come in as a grad she's amazing and she's now um heading up global distribution for a skincare brand but wow. she wanted to get into the industry and and that was a great step for her yeah um and then one of the others had been a did she pay herself did we did, did, she, she, place, did yes. she, she did place herself and yes they <laughs> paid a fee yeah <laughs> yeah that's amazing isn't it because there must be that must be the hard thing when you employing people in yours because yeah. they're going to see all these exciting job offers all the time yeah and i think if that's what they they want you know i, I love products and it was great working with product but now i get far more out of working with people and businesses yeah but um, you, you've ticked those boxes haven't you you've yeah. done the part whereas you can yeah, yeah okay no, that's yeah you can and, and the other girl that, that left on that one dark day um she still works in the industry she's a category manager in sort of electricals and hard goods and she'd been a candidate of ours we'd placed her a couple of times and she'd had a baby and wanted some flexible work and i'm like come and work with us and it took her a while to get recruitment but she kept saying to me do you not miss products i'm like not really you know i've had warehouses full of bottles and cartons and overheads and i, I didn't need that yeah um, but she's back in the industry and loves it so that's really cool. is it? Um, but no philly really um you know you've you've met Billy a few times she, she's incredible she's been with us for over five years now so she's the recruitment director and more people want to speak to her than me which is is perfect it's how it should be and she's like me she loves helping and supporting people and she's she's just incredible she she really is i love that about the industry though that everyone's willing to help each other and support each other even manufacturers in the main they literally support one another there's often phone calls if a supplier's let them down on the material it's like can you help me out with this and yeah, i don't yeah. think we've ever said no to anyone if we could help them and yeah. likewise i think people have just bent over backwards to help us i love it it's a, yeah yeah building everyone else up. yeah and i think um probably the, the worst thing for me was was last year um i don't want to end on a, on a down and you know we're through it and things are fine now but yeah. last year as a business owner that the, the most terrific thing we had one of the team die um and you know we do a lot of work with look good feel better and this lady had also been quite involved with the charity and, and done lots of fundraising for them but she didn't realize herself that she had cancer until it was too late very aggressive yeah um, and helen was someone that came in she took over from charlotte or we, we brought her in while charlotte was still here but she was the the backbone really she did the admin the finance the legal the insurance stuff everything that i am not good at and, and don't particularly enjoy um and kept everything running and and she sort of didn't know about the situation and and literally i would be chatting to her at home massaging her and just trying to help her get through those last weeks and she would be apologizing about leaving us oh, in the she, she knew what a mess that would leave us in um but you know that's life and, and when you have a bigger team you, you have all of the life situations and, and these things happen yeah um but that was a, a tough year for us and i think i probably took my eye off the ball a bit and struggled a, a bit with the situation yeah pick up all that work yeah um, it demotivated some other people in the team and it, it was a tough time 
So last year was actually tougher than this year has been. Um, COVID and all of this situation at the moment has actually been fine for us. We're very busy, there's a lot going on and, and we've got a, a great team. And I think we, we've cleared out a few people that had lost motivation. Um, we had a young marketing girl that had a stalker. God knows what that was about. Crazy time. She would be phoning all the mobiles and, and the landlines and really disrupting the business. Um, and that, that was mad. But yeah, it's, it's life when you, when you deal with people. Um, it gets complicated and we had to clear out anyone that wasn't motivated, wasn't positive, wasn't hitting their target. Our core values are passion, knowledge and success. Yeah. And if people aren't passionate about helping people and the industry in general. They're never going to work well with us. No, I definitely. It is about having the right fit for people in your team, isn't it? We've yeah, worked that really hard over the past few years ourselves. Fortunately, yeah. we haven't had something so, no. so challenging like that to deal with. But um, it definitely makes um, it makes work a lot more enjoyable when everyone put, when yeah. everyone's pulling in the right direction. Because here, yeah. there's there's no one, absolutely not one person that coasts. You know, yeah. so actually, if you've joined the business and you think you're going to come in and just tick along you're going to yeah. be pulled out by your peers and it'll just be standout and it just won't be everyone will yeah. be so supportive to try and help you but if it looks like you're just not willing to pull your weight you're, yeah. you're not gonna you're not gonna fit in that's for sure yeah. so, no, you need that. we've got a marketing director now who again was a, a candidate and, and client of ours great industry experience and she's really helping um with all our salary surveys and the covid survey and all of the things we're doing with pure business and um, cosmetics business and pure beauty so that that's great and we've got a head of research that is really good at organizing our database she's an old contact from our software company and i think the technology is important and she's really helping with that um, a great administrator that, that's helping all the recruiters and, and organizing all of us so we're in a really strong place now um, and it, it's a nice place to be and it's an exciting time. The industry's great and everyone's doing okay with the current situation. People are still washing and, and caring for their skin. So Yeah, I think about the rest of the beauty businesses are opening up, aren't they? From like the fifteenth yeah. or something like that or something along those lines. I can't remember when it yeah. was, but yeah. Quite cool because it's been it's been a really challenging um few months, isn't it, for a lot of the yeah beauty salons and things like yeah. that so no, yeah. it's great that things are really picking up again it's been yeah. for us yeah. no that's amazing cool thanks Heidi so how so if people do want to speak to you or not you but your team yeah, anyone in the team yeah, yeah, yeah. how do they get in touch yeah. with you arthuredward.com is the website and yeah. we're on all the social media platforms there's a company page um, Heidi Bannister is on LinkedIn um, I'm pretty full with, with connections. Once you get to a certain limit, you can't always accept everyone. So apologies if I, I don't, don't accept you, but join the company page. What number do you have to get to for that, Little Miss Popular? That's... It's probably 30,000 or something. I don't know. They change it all the time, but it's, it's madness. It, it really is. Yeah. 30,000 connections. Well, there you yeah. go. You're bound to find something for someone. Yeah. Cool. Amazing. Thanks for your time. I'm glad I don't finally know you after it's not yeah. over tequila or 
wine, <laughs> of which we know I don't handle very particularly well. But um, yeah, we haven't even talked about SDS, have we? we? We need to get a plug in for Laura for next year because um, you, you know I'm very involved with SDS as social secretary, organising all the parties and yeah. um, the, the big strategy piece we've been working on with them lately. Um, people that don't know the SDS, it's the Society of Cosmetic Scientists. And um, Laura Kirkbride, your um, fabulous technical director, is vice president now. Vice president now, yeah. No, next, next year she'll be president, which is a pretty cool thing. Yeah, she's over the moon. She's someone that um, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in, like having your own goals and things like that. And um, Laura's never been actually. As I say, she's never she's never vocal exter, but I've always like really shown an interest. And she's told me for years now because I've worked with Laura. Well, known of, well, worked for her seven years ago before joining Oriane, so I've known her for 17 years, and she's always been quite strong-minded. She went, I know where I'm going to get to. For the funniest reason, I might have to interview her on here. I once had a conversation with Laura about um, retirement one day. I can't remember how it came about. This was about five or six years ago, and we were talking about it, and she went, yeah, because um, what I really want to do is become president i was like oh, okay why why is that actually because even when you retire when you once you've been the president you get invited back for all the oh, yeah all of them and she went that was yeah. yeah so that was all she's excited about retirement and she once she's achieved this she'll always be invited back i was like well there you go there's a goal right there yeah no she's gonna make a good president Oh, that's nice to hear. I'll give her the feedback on that one. Well, thanks again for your time, Heidi. Well, thank you, Dan. It was always lovely to chat. Yeah, likewise. Take care. Speak Take soon. care. Bye. Bye.